Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the June 28th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're looking at numbers 1402 through 1405 of the Catechism. The Eucharist, Pledge of the Glory to Come. 1402. In an ancient prayer, the Church acclaims the mystery of the Eucharist, O sacred banquet in which Christ is received as food. The memory of his passion is renewed, the soul is filled with grace, and a pledge of the life to come is given to us. If the Eucharist is the memorial of the Passover of the Lord Jesus, if by our communion at the altar we are filled with every grace and heavenly blessing, then the Eucharist is also an anticipation of the heavenly glory. 1403. At the Last Supper, the Lord himself directed his disciples' attention toward the fulfilment of the Passover in the kingdom of God. I tell you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Whenever the church celebrates the Eucharist, she remembers this promise and turns her gaze to him who is to come. In her prayer, she calls for his coming. Marana Tha, come, Lord Jesus. May your grace come and this world pass away. 1404. The Church knows that the Lord comes even now in his Eucharist and that he is there in our midst. However, his presence is veiled. Therefore, we celebrate the Eucharist as we await the blessed hope of the coming of our Saviour Jesus Christ, asking to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end through Christ our Lord. 1405. There is no surer pledge or clearer sign of this great hope in the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells than the Eucharist. Every time this mystery is celebrated, the work of our redemption is carried on and we break the one bread that provides the medicine of immortality, the antidote for death and the food that makes us live forever in Jesus Christ. Okay, we finished the section on the Eucharist, which again I think is a beautiful, beautiful section. I'm biased. I, 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 I'm a liturgist by, by, by training. So I really think the second part of the catechism that deals with the liturgy, deals with the sacraments, is the most beautiful. Then we'll be moving on to the Ten Commandments, which are fine. Nothing against the Ten Commandments. They're, 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 again, they're, they're, they're absolutely true and great. But I think really the, the celebration in the liturgy is the, the, the high point of, of Christianity. Christianity isn't so much about laws, but it's about meeting Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ wants to meet us. And in this we're looking at the pledge of the glory to come. This fact that we're given a foretaste of heaven. That the Eucharist prepares us for heaven. Gives us this um, this experience of heaven. That this is what the Eucharist should do. I know I know many people say, well, I go to Mass, Father, and I fall asleep. The priest starts to talk and I and I, um, I, I doze off. You know, I spend my time uh, making my shopping list for next week 
or looking around and seeing the, the seeing the different people that are in the church. I know there are these temptations that are there. But the liturgy has the possibility to prepare us for heaven better than anything else. That sure, everything in this life can prepare us for heaven. Everything you do. Cleaning the dishes definitely can prepare you for heaven. Looking after your children can prepare you for heaven. Going to work in the morning uh, on the subway can prepare you for heaven. Sure, everything can prepare us for heaven. But the liturgy is the best place. And of the liturgy, the Eucharist is the best, the high point of the liturgy. That allows us to be prepared for heaven. To see that this eternal life is real. You know, this oh, sacred banquet, this, uh, this prayer, which I always think is from St. Thomas although the Catechism doesn't uh, attribute it to him, in which Christ is received, in which Christ is received as food. The memory of his passion is renewed. The soul is filled with grace and the pledge of the life to come is given to us. This pledge of the life to come. This guarantee. If you have a guarantee, you don't worry. You know, If you have a guarantee, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're, uh, if you have it, you don't have to worry. If you go somewhere and you're renting a car and you don't have the guarantee, you don't have the insurance and you come out from wherever you, you, you're you visiting and somebody has bashed into the car that you've rented, it's, oh my God, I've got to pay a fortune to the, to the car rental company because I don't have the guarantee, I don't have this insurance. Whereas if you have it, it's a minor inconvenience, but uh, you can get on with it and you know that you're not going to be out of pocket. And this is what the Eucharist does for us. It gives us this warranty. It gives us this guarantee. Sure, there will be inconveniences in life. Sure, there will be difficulties. Definitely, there will be suffering. Definitely, there will be problems. But we are okay. We are on the way to heaven. And the Eucharist, if we participate in it properly, is the key to paradise. The key to heaven. We'll see... Although we're finishing the Eucharist here, we'll see later on, looking at the sacrament of the sick, how also the viaticum, which is to receive communion on your deathbed, is very important. It's the way to heaven. This invitation to heaven. If we participate well in the Eucharist, we go to heaven. This is what our faith tells us. This is why, obviously, to participate well means to repent of your sin. Obviously, it means to go to confession Every at, at a bare minimum once a year. Obviously it means to believe what the church believes. Obviously it means all these things. But to truly celebrate the Eucharist is to prepare us for heaven. To prepare us for this final journey. And that we can see, I mean, this medicine of immortality, the antidote for death, and the food that makes us live forever in Jesus Christ. The very last line of this is taken from St. Ignatius of Antioch. Ignatius of Antioch is one of the earliest bishops, writing more or less at the same time as the old as the New Testament, uh, you know, within a generation of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this as an antidote for death and a medicine for immortality. And this is what the Lord wants to give each one of us, an antidote for death and a medicine for immortality. This is what it means to be Christian, to have this. And this is why the Eucharist is so important for us. And really, this is an invitation. Obviously, the, catech the, the, the Catechism is an explanation of Catholic doctrine, 
But Catholic doctrine isn't just something that we have to know. It's not simply that I need to memorize these things or I can learn something and say, oh, wow, that's interesting. If I'm ever playing Catholic Trivial Pursuit, that might be handy. This is not the purpose of the Catechism. The purpose of the Catechism is to allow us to celebrate our faith, to know our faith and to live it, to know what the Eucharist is and to live it and to find there this jewel, this eternal life that the Lord has planned for each one of us. So very good, we finished the section on the Eucharist. I have the in brief section to read, so we'll read the in brief. 1406, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and abides in me and I in him. 1407. The Eucharist is the heart and the summit of the church's life, for in it Christ associates his church and all her members with his sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, offered once for all on the cross to his Father. By the sacrifice he pours out the grace of salvation on his body which is the church. 1408. The Eucharistic celebration always includes the proclamation of the word of God, thanksgiving to God the Father for all his benefits, above all the gift of his Son, the consecration of bread and wine, and participation in the liturgical banquet by receiving the, Lord, the Lord's body and blood. These elements constitute one single act of worship. 1409. The Eucharist is the memorial of Christ's passion, that is, of the work of salvation accomplished by the life, death and resurrection of Christ, a work made present by the liturgical action. 1410. It is Christ himself, the eternal high priest of the new covenant, who acting through, this through the ministry of priests offers the Eucharistic sacrifice. And it is the same Christ really present under the species of bread and wine, who is the offering of the Eucharistic sacrifice. 1411. Only validly ordained priests can preside at the Eucharist and consecrate the bread and wine so that they become the body and blood of the Lord. 1412. The essential signs of the Eucharistic sacrament are wheat bread and grape wine on which the blessing of the Holy Spirit is invoked and the priest pronounces the word of consecration spoken by Jesus during the Last Supper. This is my body which will be given up for you. This is the cup of my blood. 1413. By the consecration, by consecra by the, consecration the transubstantiation of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is brought about. Under the consecrated species of bread and wine, Christ himself, living and glorious, is present in a true, real and substantial ma manner, his body and his blood, with his soul and his divinity. 1414. As sa sacrifice, the Eucharist is also offered in reparation for the sins of the living and the dead, and to obtain spiritual or temporal benefits from God. 1415. Anyone who desires... To receive Christ in Eucharistic communion must be in a state of grace. Anyone aware of having sinned mortally must not receive communion without having received absolution in the sacrament of penance. 1416. Communion with the body and blood of Christ increases the, commun the communicant's union with the Lord, forgives his venial sins and preserves him from grave sin. Since receiving this sacrament strengthens the bonds of charity, between the communicant and Christ, it also reinforces the unity of the Church as the mystical body of Christ. 
1417, the Church warmly recommends that the faithful receive Holy Communion when they participate in the celebration of the Eucharist. She obliges them to do so at least once a year. 1418, because Christ himself is present in the sacrament of the altar, he is to be honoured with the worship of adoration. To visit the Blessed Sacrament is a proof of gratitude, an expression of love and a duty of adoration towards Christ our Lord. 1419, Having passed from this world to the Father, Christ gives us in the Eucharist the pledge of glory with him. Participation in the Holy Sacrifice identifies us with his heart, sustains our strength along the pilgrimage of this life, makes us long for eternal life, and unites us even now to the Church in Heaven, the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints. Okay, very good. So the uh, the in brief again, this the section is um, uh, a summary of the whole uh, teaching on the Eucharist. Uh, again, very beautiful. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk any more. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow we'll continue, and tomorrow we'll move on to a new section of the Catechism and uh, the Sacraments of Healing. And so tomorrow we'll look at numbers fourteen twenty through fourteen twenty one. God bless. <laughs>